invite you to go with me to um, Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. And I'm reading out of the CSB translation, and we're going to look at that a little further. And it says this in Galatians chapter 2. When Cephas, that is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from, came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas, Peter, in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, quotations. A lot of Jews felt like Gentiles were sinners because they didn't have what they had in relation to God. He says, if, if, if we know that we're Jews and not Gentile sinners, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, Christ but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no human being will be justified. And for those of you who are taking notes, the title of this message is Freedom to be Authentic. Freedom to be Authentic. And last week we talked about Paul as a church planner. And Paul, who is stationed here in this, I know you can't see it too much, but right here in this area, called Antioch. He's at a city here where he is one of the spiritual leaders, pastors in there, but he had traveled to a place here called Galatia, and he evangelized as a missionary the people about the gospel, the freedom that they have in Christ. Now, in American history, sometimes when we see stuff like this, we may think of colonization, thinking about people going and conquering lands and killing off people and, and setting up their rule, and a lot of horrible things in America or in history have been done in the name of Christianity, but Paul is not doing that. Paul has traveled as a church planner, as a missionary to free these people of bondage of sin with the message of the gospel. So this region here, Galatia, is where he has come and is where this is who he's talking to today. And so Paul writes and he's using an example of an incident that he had with Peter. Maybe you guys are familiar with Peter. He's one of Jesus' disciples. He was a, he was Jesus' top disciple. Um, he has some character flaws. He didn't get it right all the time like we all don't. But Peter visits Antioch. Peter comes down to see what's going on down there with the church. And Peter, though, he comes down and when he brings his presence, he brings a little bit of disruption too. And Paul is saying, writing about this incident to let the Galatians know that, hey, what you're going through right now, we've, we've battled, we've been here before. What lies you're being told to right now, they were being told somewhere else too. And I just want to show you guys how we dealt with that here so you know that, and this ain't new. And I can help you walk through this just like I helped them walk through that. So those Judaizers who, who have infiltrated Galatia have come and told the Galatians after Paul already preached freedoms in them that, hey, you need to go back to the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to 
practicing Sabbath on a Saturday. If you are a woman and it's that time of the month, you need to get away from society for at least a week, handle your business, and then you come back. If you got pimples and skin diseases and rashes, you got to separate yourself. You got If you have a deformity, you got to separate yourself. You have to do certain things in order to be accepted by God, which are called bondage. And Paul is saying, like, you don't have to do any of that because you first believed freedom in Christ. And I just want to tell you guys today that it doesn't matter if you go to a church and, you have, and they believe you have to wear suits or not. It doesn't matter if you believe in speaking in tongues or not. It doesn't matter if you believe in women preachers or not. Those are all secondary issues in light of the power of the gospel. And the gospel is good news, and what good news means is that God saves sinners. Yes. We may have a lot of disagreements. We may not. We may think that church should be like this and you should look like that. But in light of salvation, it's secondary. It does not matter because God saves sinners. And this is what Paul is writing to protect. As long as we don't deviate from the truth of the gospel, we are free to be authentic in our expression of our relationship with God. Man, let us settle. Let us settle. And in the text, there's a few things that we, we see that I want to pull out and I want us to talk about a little bit today. Number one is Paul saying, look, you got to keep it 100. You got to keep it 100. And so in Galatians 2 and 12, he tells us that Peter regularly ate with the Gentiles. What does that mean? That he regularly had meals with them, he shared food with them, he fellowshiped with them, he hung out with them, which a Jew would not normally do because Jews and Gentiles didn't eat the same way. Look, he's saying, like, it don't matter if you eat baby back ribs or not. But if you're going to eat baby back ribs, eat them all the time. Eat them no matter who's around. And so Peter regularly ate with the Gentiles. He loved kicking it with them and all that stuff. And the reason why he did this was because God gave him a vision in Acts chapter 10 about food. He, he was praying. God gave him a vision. He laid out a bunch of food that Jews did not normally eat. And he said, yo, eat. And Peter, being a devout Jew, although he's a Christian now, but he still holds true to some Jewish values, he says, I don't eat that stuff. And God tells him, do not call unclean what I've called clean. He wasn't just telling him that he can have ribs. He wasn't just telling him that he can have some ham and all that stuff and he can eat certain foods that they did not eat. He was telling him that you cannot only eat these foods, but you can eat food with whoever you want to. Imagine living in LA and you didn't eat tacos because you don't like Mexicans. So if you don't like Mexicans, that means you can't eat tacos. Man, imagine being, uh, imagine living, and, and we have access to all kind of food here, but you can't eat curry. I love curry. But if I don't like Indian people, I don't eat their food. Peter got a vision from God that said, you can not only eat any food that you want, but because of the gospel, you can eat with whoever you want. And Paul, Paul seeing Peter, who Peter didn't have to come to Antioch. We don't know why Peter traveled down there. But when he came, he was cool until some other people came and were like, oh, my God, Peter. Peter, why are you, why are you eating with them? We don't know what they told Peter. But these Jewish men who traveled from Jerusalem came down and disrupted the peace that Peter had in Christ. The freedom that he had in Christ. They disrupted it with, with looks, with, you know what I'm saying, 
words or whatever the case may be. Their just sheer presence made Peter feel like, man, uh, I need to separate myself. I, I need to withdraw myself. I can't, I can't be around them no more because now my Jewish friends are here. So my Jewish friends are here and we're going to go do some, some we're going to go pray. And they no longer fellowshiped with the Gentiles. Have you ever had a friend that was cool with you of a different ethnic background as long as no one else from that ethnic background was around? I got like two claps. Maybe you are the friend who has a problem with people. And you cool with people who don't look like you, don't come from the same background with you, as long as there's no one else around from your background. This is what Peter was doing. But it was confusing. It was confusing because once he did that as a pastor, oh, I'm gonna call it out, Peter was a pastor. Peter was a religious leader. And Peter failed publicly. In our cancel culture today, we would have dismissed Peter. We would have said like, oh, Peter, I knew, I knew Peter wasn't about it. And if you remember, Peter even denied Jesus. So you know Peter got some character flaws. He jacked up. And here he goes again, just denying it free. Look at, look at Peter. It's just like Peter to do Peter stuff. And Peter in his hypocrisy, Peter in his decision-making leads other people astray. And this is happening in front of the church. And so once Peter decided that he was going to withdraw, Barnabas, who was also a Jewish man, a friend of Paul, they did some mighty things for God together. He was like, oh, I guess if Peter doing it, I got to do it too. And, uh, and so then we got, we, got we, we, we equal, but we separate. I know it's Black History Month, but we ain't really got to talk about all that. Yeah, Jesus loves them too, Peter, but it's, it's us versus them. They don't wear the same colors we wear. So we're going to worship the same God, but we're going to worship it our way while they worship it their way. And as soon as Peter did that, he left freedom and he decided to put back on some, some handcuffs. I'm a, I don't put on handcuffs, so. Hey I, well, hey, I was free. I was free to worship Jesus. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just committed to way, the way I do things. I just, I just do it like this. And they do it like that. But what he signed up for wasn't freedom, but it was bondage. I mean, I can't, I can't even move my arms like I once did. I can't even like, you know, I mean, I can't because, oh, wait a minute. I can't go over there because, I, I, you know, I can't go to the bar and hang out with my friends because I don't drink. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't be around homosexuals because I'm not, I'm not like that. Um, I don't, I just can't. I, I'm going to stay home because obviously I can't go nowhere. Because everywhere I go, I might bump into some unclean thing. There might be something that rubs up against me the wrong way. And I might, I might be dirty and now God won't love me. And now God won't accept me. And, you know, I just got to do it like this. And um, I don't cuss. Oh, no, I don't, I don't cuss. I don't say no bad words. I don't do that because if you cuss, you go to hell. 
you know, and, and, you know, and so he put on, he exchanged freedom for bondage. And what happens when we have bondage, we get all kind of shame starts to come back. And, and, and feelings of inadequacy start to come back. And now I got to earn what has, God has freely given me because I'm just not good enough no more. And the law was never meant to set us free and make us right with God. The law was, and we're going to talk about this, this in the next couple of weeks, the law was only meant to remind us that we're not that good. It was to show us that sin exists. It wasn't to make us free. It was to show us something. Paul, Peter got it wrong. My biggest fear is getting it wrong. I obsess about getting preaching the correct doctrine. I obsess about getting it right because people are listening to me and I don't want to get it wrong. I obsess about making sure that I am preaching what I'm living that I'm not being two-faced, that I'm not living away at home in front of my wife and kids, but coming up here acting like I'm holier than thou. I obsess about getting it right because sometimes and oftentimes I get it wrong. But when you get it wrong, brothers and sisters, that does not negate all the times that you actually get it right. Getting it wrong does not mean that you're bad and you're condemned and you're doomed. That means that you made a mistake. Maybe you misinterpreted the Bible. Maybe you misinterpreted the freedom you have in Christ, and, but one time, that does not negate all the other times you actually did get it right. Peter got it right a lot of times, but this one time that he got it wrong, it led a whole bunch of people astray. And so the second thing that Paul teaches us is that grace is worth defending. Grace is worth defending. And he says this in, in, in Galatians 2.14, he says, but when I saw, when I, me, I was watching this, I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel. I told Cephas, Peter, in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? In freedom, the freedom that they had in Christ meant that Jews could live like Gentiles, but it also meant that if a Gentile wanted to, he could live like a Jew. As long as you recognize that you don't have to do certain things to be accepted by God. Look, Peter was a Jewish man. Jewish people came from Jerusalem. There were just some Jews who liked to do things the way they did things. Not wrong. There are some Gentiles who didn't understand that, trying to do it, but they didn't understand it. And Peter, Paul was telling them, you don't have to. If you're Baptist, be Baptist. If you're Pentecostal, be Pentecostal. If you're Catholic, be Catholic. But don't make me be Baptist if I'm not. Don't tell me I got to go to confession because I don't go to confession. Y'all following me? These men were getting it wrong. And Paul was saying like, yo, we don't have to, they don't, we don't have to do that. They deviated from the truth of the gospel. And the gospel is full of grace. And grace is this. We talked about this. His, God's character. Grace is who God is. An inexhaustible goodness that is not deserved, cannot be earned or repaid. It is, if, if grace is compromised, then guess what happens? Church hurt sets in. Along with confusion and distrust. Sometimes we're hurt by the body of Christ. If I can be real. Peter and the Jews were Christians. They were the body of Christ. They represented God to people who didn't know God. 
And sometimes we get hurt by that. But also the same body that hurts us is the same place we find healing. Because there was Paul. So he was hurt in church. People were hurt because of church. But they were also healed because of church. That means that the same place you get hurt sometimes is the same place you get healed. And you can't run away just because you're hurt. What do you do when it's a big mess? What do you do when you have a fight with your wife? Do you leave the house? My pastor, my, my, my pastor growing up used to say, you never leave the house when you have a fight with your wife. Because all you're going to do is run in, into them streets, some temptations that if you were in your right mind, you probably wouldn't give in to. When you run away because you're hurt, you open yourself up to all kind of other things that sound good, that feel good in the moment. But in the end, they leave you even more empty than you were if you had just stayed. If you had just stayed, we get hurt in places of, in our family. We get hurt in relationships all the time because there are people and people make mistakes. But also God uses the same people sometimes when they hurt us, the same people who use them to help heal us. Grace is worth defending. Paul stood up and said, that's not what Jesus died for. That's not the life that God has for you. He does not have this life for you, but he has a life of freedom for you. And we have to be able to talk to people about the freedom that they have in Christ. Like, look, it don't matter what you eat. It don't matter how you dress. It does not matter where you go because you have freedom in Christ to do anything that you want to do. Just don't use that grace and that freedom as an opportunity to sin because grace is not an excuse to do whatever you want. Grace should be motivation to get you to love God like you've never loved God before. It should get you to be motivation to get you to love people like you've never loved people before. Grace not should not be an excuse, but grace should be the motivating factor because God has given me something that I can't earn. God has given me something that I can't repay. God has given me something that I don't deserve. And because I did not deserve it, who am I to stand in place and abuse it? You don't have to be like me, but we all should be like Jesus. And Paul is reminding them about this. Peter, you, you want to be like Jesus, bro. You, like me, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you, like me, made a choice. And the last thing he says this is if, if you're going to defend grace, though, that means you got to know grace. You can't defend who you don't know. You can't defend who you don't have a relationship with. You can't defend what you don't understand. Not convincingly. Not with conviction. So if you're going to defend grace, you must know grace, and grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And the last thing that Paul highlights for us is this, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You may have heard that before, but it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. And he writes to him like this, and he says, and yet because we know, we already know this, that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified, made righteous, be in right standing with God by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, not by legalism, not by you know, dotting I's and crossing T's, not by doing anything like that, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified, will not be made right with God because they live a moral good life. It is by freedom in Christ Jesus that we now have right standing with God. And he writes that to remind them like, yo, 
That's what you first believed in. That's what you first put your hope in. When you were like this and you couldn't get your way out, it, here came somebody else with the key to unlock you to life of freedom. Someone came along and said, yo, I know the way out. You know the way out? Uh, this is killing my illustration. That's why. So the father and the son came. The father and the son came, and then the Holy Spirit moved in and made me free. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And even if you get it wrong, God comes back to help you get it back right. You don't ever have to stay where you are because the blood of Jesus has purchased a new life for you only found in him. So he says that, yo, the law trying to get it on your own, trying to be legalistic. You know, it's another thing too though because a lot of us have a hard time receiving grace because we don't give grace. A lot of us have a hard time receiving forgiveness because we don't forgive. A hard time, a lot of us have times, hard times giving people second chances because um, we just don't give people second chances. You get one time and if you mess that up that one time, you don't ever get another shot. But when we sit in that seat, we put ourselves in harm's way. And how can we not give something that we never, that doesn't even start with us? If grace is of God, comes from God, and he freely gives it, who am I to, who am I to withhold that from anybody? The Bible tells us that if you forgive, you will be forgiven. The Bible says with the same judgment, the same measure of judgment you use, you will be judged by that measure, not from people, but from God. Because none of us are supposed to judge anybody. So it's not like, oh, you shouldn't judge because then they're going to judge you. Like, no, they're not supposed to judge me either, but God will judge me. If we learn how to openly receive grace, receive forgiveness, receive love then we'll find that Jesus is enough for us and what he's done for us stands alone. But the moment you try to put Jesus plus whatever, Jesus plus new age, Jesus plus Eastern meditation, Jesus plus sage burning, Jesus plus anything, you don't have Jesus anymore. It is not by works it is not by earning, it is not by striving that we receive anything from God, but it is by faith. It is by believing. It is by, it is by trusting him. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that anyone who would come to him must first come to him believing that he is. I know you've never seen him before. And Jesus said, you will be more blessed than the people who did see because you're putting your faith in something that you can't, it, take, it takes a lot of faith to believe in what you can't see. I know, I know, but Jesus died for us to make himself more real to us. 
He, he died for us. He said that, look, you were on a pathway somewhere and you couldn't get yourself out of it. You didn't even know where you were going. But I stood in the way and I gave you a new path. Paul says that, yo, the law was taking us nowhere. Wearing suits in church took me nowhere. Growing up, watching people get up off the front row, run around into the wall, fall down, and get up and then cuss me out because I was a kid playing, got me nowhere. Oh, oh, oh boy, boy, I tell y'all. I ain't talking about it. I, ain't talk- I grew up in a church like that. Where we played church, but we didn't live holy. I grew up in a church like that. I grew up in, I went to churches where the pastor and the wife weren't even married. But on pastor's anniversary, everybody brought them gifts and told them how good they were. We get it wrong. I have gotten it wrong. But it's not, you're not putting your faith in me. We're putting our faith in Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, then we're not looking at people. Because everybody is answerable before God. Everyone needs Jesus's grace and keeping a set of rules does not save us, but it's our faith in him alone that does. And we got to say this, too, because this text that we read right now about freedom, it, it, it does a lot for our racial life as well. I know I said Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being non-Jewish, and we don't really resonate with a lot of Jewish people and all that stuff unless you're on the West Side, which I am sometimes. It's a lot of Jewish people over there. But how about just black and white? How about just Mexicans and blacks, Latinos and blacks? How about our Korean neighbors and friends in, in, in inner cities like this? How about, how about Jesus breaks down the dividing wall of hostility between all those groups of people? And see, so while we should celebrate, because we're all made in God's image, we all should celebrate our uniqueness in Christ. We should all celebrate how he made me and how he made you. The body of Christ is called to celebrate all that, but no identity should, should reign over your identity in Christ. That ain't popular to say in today's society where we're, we're all fighting for identity, people leaving the faith because of their ancestors and all that stuff. And, and I get it. We want to belong somewhere. And, and, but I believe that if, if I can say black power and my wife, who is Mexican, not black, can say brown power, then I think that my white brothers and sisters should be able to stand up and be happy about their race, too. Ooh, man. Why? 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 Do we feel like that because we've been oppressed for so long, we should be able to now be the oppressors? And the Jews and Gentiles were having this constant battle because Jews felt like they were oppressed. The Gentiles didn't have the God the Jews had, so they felt like they were being oppressed. Jews wanted to, 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 they wanted to preserve their racial ethnicity, so that's why Peter got away from the Gentiles. But what does that, what does that say about the God who made us all? Which is why my testimony, my life sometimes, people don't believe it. Because when I'm talking to you who look like me, we celebrating. But as soon as someone who comes around who does not look like us, we putting them down. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what he gives us is the freedom to be authentic. He gives us the freedom to be authentic. He gives me the right to be black and be proud I'm black, and he gives Randy the right to be white and be proud that he's white. 
And how he expresses his faith in God is how he expresses his faith in God. And God's not asking Randy to be like me. And God's not asking me to be like Randy to be accepted by him. And so if we're going to live a life like this, because this is, this is a church plant, and one of the things that we're contending for, we sang a song in Spanish today, because one of the things we are contending for is to be able to celebrate each other's ethnicity in light of who Christ is. Because heaven is going to be a place where they sing in Spanish, and they sing in Arabic, and they sing in Japanese, and they sing in Chinese, and it's going to be so many beautiful languages going around in heaven, that, and God's going to be the one smiling because he's going to say, these are all my children. Because God, the, the gospel tears down the dividing wall of hostility and he makes us one new humanity in Christ Jesus. And that's a great place to say amen. So you apply this to your life. How do I apply this? What does all this mean? I hope it was clearly communicated. But the one thing you should know is that Christ gives you the opportunity to be authentic. Freedom to be authentic. Freedom to be you. Because why? Because if you, if I wanted to call it express yourself, freedom of expression. But we express ourselves through clothes, through dress, through style. We express ourselves through hairstyles and all that stuff. A couple weeks ago I had twists, now I'm back to the low cut. You know, we, we express ourselves so many different ways, but then when culture changes or the dress code changes, then we try to keep up with that. If the dress code changes, but I like who I am, I should be able to be authentic. While culture changes, I should still be able to be me and find acceptance in relationship to Christ and with other people in humanity. Express yourself, yes, but we see people expressing themselves through their freedom of speech, and some of us find freedom of speech offensive. Expression sometimes gets us caught up, but authenticity is always. Jesus was always authentic because he was not Jewish enough for the Jews. He was not Jewish enough for the Jews. I've been told I'm not black enough. Then I'm in good company if Jesus wasn't Jewish enough. Be authentic. And when you're authentic, then the freedom of expression flows. But when you are hiding and when you're trying to be like everybody else, you're not being who God designed you to be. You have a unique contribution that God wants to celebrate because he wants to use it to show other people the way to Christ. And Paul was writing to the Galatians to remind them that the way God made you and the freedom that he gave you is good enough. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Let's stand up all over the building as we get ready to roll. And I just want to pray with you real quick. Every eye closed, every head bowed. And I just want to ask a question. I just want to ask a question. Every eye closed, every head bowed. And I just want to ask a question. And that question is, because I want to pray with you. So if, that, if, if, this, if this is the answer is yes, just go ahead and slide your hand in the air. If you have a problem sometimes or find it difficult to be authentic, who you are, for whatever reason, sometimes people tell you you're too much. Sometimes people tell you you're not enough. Sometimes people tell you you shouldn't dress like that, you shouldn't say that. Whatever it is that will cause you to feel like that, I can't be my true self.
If you struggle with that, just go ahead and stick your hand in the air. If you feel like you battle just being authentic. I see your hands. I see your hands. The Lord sees your hands. And I'm going to say this too. Some of you right now are even having a hard time being authentic and you won't raise your hand. And that's the struggle right there. That even when you're asked about being set free in moments like this, you still resist. Because sometimes on the other side, if I'm not this person, then who am I? And Christ comes to set us free from the pressure to be like everybody else. He wants to put us in relationship with him so that we can understand who we truly are. The beauty of freedom in Christ. So those of you who raised your hands, keep your hand in the air, eyes closed. And if there's anyone else who would like to join now the freedom who didn't raise their hand the first time, this is now another opportunity to do so. Jesus, I thank you for the freedom you give us, not just from sin and from bondage, but the freedom to be ourselves. Freedom from the law, freedom from legalism, always tripping and, and never feeling like we're enough and always feeling like we're getting it wrong or we're messing up. And sometimes those things happen publicly, but a lot of times they happen privately. Father, thank you that you justify us, that you make us right before God, and that the life that you have given us through, the, through your death, burial, and resurrection, and now that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, sets us free to be authentic, God. Take us on a journey to help us see who we are in relation to you so that we can enjoy the beauty of who you created us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap.